today's global gaming marketplace, your players want to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want. Accepting localized forms of payments and keeping up with what's trending is key to growing your gaming business and to finding new untapped markets. That's where Exola Payments comes in. With just one simple integration, you'll be connected to over 700 localized preferred payment methods on a global scale including bank cards, digital wallets, mobile payments, cash kiosks, gift cards, special offers, and more. Plus, with Excel acting as your merchant of record, they assume the risk of cost of complex VATs, sales taxes, laws, and regulations. Leave every transaction to the experts while you focus on retaining and expanding your audience. You can get started today. Just head over to exola.pro slash paystation or look for the link in the description of this episode. Exola Payments, it's what your gaming business needs to succeed. Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Returning back for the nth time, and we'll have you nth time in the future, is Senor Javier Barnes, veteran game designer, product manager, uh, a man who looks like a thug, but who talks like a philosopher. <laughs> Javier, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, I love like int that introduction. You know, I'm actually like, I do have a degree <laughs> on philosophy, right? Um <laughs> You didn't know that? <laughs> well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe in the future we can well, do a, an episode about, you know, Schopenhauer and Hegel. <laughs> oh, maybe, except that I can't talk any of that. Uh, well, that's okay. So I, I actually a philosopher. So without, without, we just need to address like people who are watching the video. What happened to your face? Have you been wrestling again? Uh, so I'm actually wrestling this Saturday. I'm, I'm, I do actually have a title <laughs> shot. Um, we, we will see. Um, uh, so that that's gonna be no, but my face, it's been uh, you know, I, I went to the doctor and I had like a laser surgery, so I had some spots, mm -hmm. they threw like laser at it, and now I have a bigger spots. Um, mm. they, they say it's gonna look better, uh, eventually, yeah, yeah. so we'll see. So, so what you're trying to say is you had some plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, do you think this beautiful, you get this beautiful <laughs> natural? No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, life in Barcelona is hard. You have to keep up with the Joneses. Like, everybody is beautiful. The sun is shining. There's more and more studios opening up every weekend. So, so, so uh, it's not easy just drinking sangria and, and, and eating all that uh, pinchos in, in, the, uh, in the beaches of Catalonia. But we're not here to talk about Barcelona. Actually, we have a podcast coming out on that with Bandai Namco. Uh, yes, I, I know, I know. Uh, and then <laughs> we're here to talk about 
your fantastic analysis on the Deconstructor of Fun blog about the best practice for battle passes. And by fantastic, I mean it's 30 pages long. <laughs> you said you're going to write something you know, short and concise, and then it was 30 pages. So, of course, we have to do a podcast for those who are still reading through it and those who want to get the insights more easily in digestible form as they're, as they're you know, doing other chores. But everybody should read it. And I've read it now two times. I think I'll read it about eight more times in, <laughs> during this year, just because it's like so concise. There's so many edge cases, so many things that you cover. It's truly fantastic. It's sort of a, a piece that you have to go back to. And I hope that this podcast is going to help uh, people digest that. And you can listen to this before reading it, or you can this, listen to this after reading it to kind of get the notes in. So this is more like a auxiliary podcast episode for the fantastic battle pass um playbook if you will but let's first start off with the sales pitch why should people listen to this podcast episode about battle passes so uh like the first thing it's the feature itself battle passes that's uh in pre most of the games in top grossing positions i think it, the uh i checked uh Recently, and it was like more than 60% of the US top 100 grossing uh, games have a battle pass. So it's not a fringe thing. It's not uh, something that, oh, you can uh, afford to ignore. It's it's a feature that it's present in, in more uh, generous, in, in all sorts of games. Um, and I think it's a feature that it's, as it explained in the article, it's going to grow in relevance in the industry as the... Uh, industry, I think it's shifting from um, or towards um, monetization methods that are more uh, user-friendly uh, and retention-friendly. Um, I think that battle passes and sim systems built on top of battle passes are going to grow in relevance. Um, I think that the article is, is pretty cool in the sense that... Uh, it covers it from, like, if you don't know anything about Battle Passes, covers all the basics. But I also uh, interviewed uh, people and, like, gathered a lot of feedback from, from multiple um, people while, do, while doing the research for the for the article. Uh, like, actual experts, not me. Just, I'm just learning. Mm -hmm. But um, on, on Battle Passes. And I, so I think it has a bit of of uh, things for everyone, for people trying to understand the basics of the of the battle pass, but also people that already has experience and wants to um, think about what's coming next or about the feature on a in a holistic way. And just because 30 pages long, it's uh, scary. Um, I think uh, people will be glad to hear that there is like an exec summary, which kind of highlights uh, the three, four points uh, that people need to, like a quick guide of, of battle passes. Uh, so hopefully, uh, although it's long, it's easy to digest. Yeah, I'll just mention this, that yes, it's in every top grossing game, pretty much, pretty much in every top grossing game at the moment. But also the fact that if you don't do battle pass properly, your game can decline. And Clash Royale is a good example. We're going to talk about that in this podcast uh, specifically. Uh, it's a great example of a fantastic game that implemented Battle Pass system just like its sister game, Clash of Clans. But in case of Clash Royale, the game actually declined quite significantly. And it took them a couple of years to kind of 
go from that decline back to the growth path. So you can do it in the wrong, you can, you can do it in unsuccessful way. And that is why this podcast is also important. So you have to do it, but you can fail doing it and that can hurt you. But um, Javier, let's start with the basics. When are we talking about battle passes? What is a battle pass? So a battle pass really is a, is a system that um, grants rewards in some kind of tier system based on on uh, player engagement. So I mean that's a pretty big definition, but um, essentially uh, I, I think that as a monetization tool, the battle pass has covered something that like a, a niche or like a space that. Uh, Oh, the space of the subscription models, right? Like games do not, free-to-play at least, the uh, subscription model has not stuck, uh, stick because they, the subscription model loses the free-to-play. They, they, it's hard to, to compatibilize. And um, the battle passes, I feel, it's, it's the shape that a subscription system has taken in, in mobile and in free-to-play. Uh, to be able to to work with the audience. Yeah, so so sort of like a short-term subscription lasting from weeks to sometimes months. Yeah. Um, what I find that is very interesting about the Battle Pass and very complex is that uh, it's one of these features that, I don't know, contrary to, for example, maybe loot boxes, which can have a lot of complexity by itself, but it's primarily a monetization feature, right? Or, or uh, timers. Yeah, primarily a monetization feature and so on. The battle pass—it's—it's it's really complex because it's uh, a retention system. It's a system that, to generate engagement. It's a system that uh, sometimes in some games like in Clash Royale it pushes for horizontal ex uh, content exploration. Uh, so monetization is just only one of the multiple metrics that this uh, feature tackles from. And I think that this versatility means that despite the Feature having very lit, a small amount of components, uh, it it gives a lot of versatility to be able to adapt it to multiple type of genres and audiences. Yeah, and and it's a good point to point out that we've always had this sort of a, I mean, VIP systems in games where when you're playing, you're just getting extra rewards by being a VIP. What makes Battle Pass very unique in that sense is that it's a feature that is for 100% of the audience. And and through that, I mean, whether you pay or not, you're a part of the battle pass. So so it's an integral part of your game and economy design. Um, and, and probably like putting that a little bit later on into games, that's what really creates the issues because it is not um, a monetization feature. Um, it is more like a retention and engagement feature because it is a, it's, a, it's a progress path for a specific season. So, or specific time frame, um, but um, okay, let's let's move forward. Why are battle passes so successful? Like you've done a lot of uh, a lot of thinking about uh, the engagement retention elements, about the value they create. But can you kind of summarize it? Why why they are so successful? Because it's you know not as unique. So I mean, I, I think that the first thing is that because they foster engagement and and retention. I think that's actually one of their major uh, values. Like a lot of the uh, monetization features that exist, they they deal with frustration or they require fr some sort of frustration in order to work, right? Because most of them, they are painkillers. Uh, painkillers to accelerate progression, painkillers to 
uh, take away timers and allow more playing time. Um, so th there's really few uh, monetization tools like this one where you're not only uh, monetizing a significant amount of the of the uh, payer base, but also you're providing engagement to them uh, with the same with the same tool. I think that that is definitively the um, greatest of, of its value. I also think that um, in those uh, battle passes that have missions, it, it's great because it can be used to foster horizontal content exploration. It can make people uh, try to play and max out different characters, different game modes, and so on. Uh, and uh, another thing that um, I think it, it's key is that as a monetization tool, uh, one of the weaknesses of the free-to-play model is that uh, it's very whale-oriented. Even in games that are more like um, uh, oriented to audiences that do not spend as much, uh, really minos uh, don't usually represent most of the most of the revenue. The, the main and the main reason of that is um, well because because of the nature of those users, they are less willing to pay. But there are mm -hmm. one of the consequences is that there are very few monetization features that are able to make um, a significant amount of the payer base spend. Most of it, it's um, we uh, capitalize on high spenders. And the battle pass, it's absolutely contrary to that. Um, what it means is that what, what it does is it monetizes a little bit of money from a lot of players. Um, mm -hmm. I think th this is is great. It, it keeps. I think it's much healthier for the game in the long in the long run uh, because like monetizing a wider uh, percentage of the user base uh, in a with limited pressure. Uh, what it means is that it's more unlikely that those players will um, will drop. And I also find that in these times where it's harder to access the really super valuable audiences. Um, like you know, tier one country whales on on tier one countries and so on. The battle pass it's an alternative. It it means that uh, with the battle pass you can uh, get value from players that are coming from other um, territories and from other spending profiles. And I think this is really good because you know mm. for the model to really work and and, and uh, maintain its mass adoption uh, or even grow more in the future uh, it, it needs to grow with audiences that are not the traditional high spenders yeah so to if i try to summarize what you said it's it's you know the engagement that battle pass creates and the engagement it creates by pushing you to do different activities and then once you do those activities you earn battle pass points and the battle pass points give you rewards and that of course leads to retention over time it's great at pushing players towards a horizontal content exploration. So meaning that uh, you get access to elements that you might not be playing with, uh, whether they are, I don't know, items for different characters that you're not playing with at the moment. And by that, you're improving those characters or getting skins for those characters. And now you're playing more with those characters. And through that, uh, you're engaging in more elements of the game. Uh, and as you said, they offer a very great value deal for players. Uh, and through that, they create a regular spending pattern. Now, this actually works only for the players, of course, that are very engaged with the game. And those are, you know, as we all know, they are the best um, 
clients for your game. I mean, they are engaging and and by by playing a lot, they just unlock more value and this deal is a no-brainer for them. And that also leads to the fact that it works outside tier one geo. So the price of a battle pass is usually quite low. I mean, there are multiple, sometimes multiple tiers of, of premium battle passes, but usually it is relatively low to how much value you can extract from it. So in that sense, um, it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a good tool to, to convert tier one audiences into in-app purchases. So just summarized what, <laughs> what you said. In, I actually in a, think, more, I, I actually uh, think that's why yeah. um, battle passes have started to appear in, or become first popular in, in games mm -hmm. that are uh, competitive games that monetize with cosmetics and, and stuff like that, because like those games, they are the ones that are not very or that are not as uh, uh, whale oriented or high spender oriented as um, as other games, right? But what I've, mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. quietly impressed is how the battle pass, even in games where the uh, that are whale oriented and like more traditional in terms of monetization, the battle pass has been able to be. Uh, very successful, not maybe by becoming the main thing players buy, but by becoming something that uh, uh, increases the baseline, right? Like everybody buys the battle pass and then everything else. Yeah, 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 correct, correct. It's a, yeah, in that sense, a, a fantastic. And by the way, implementing a battle pass after, like afterwards, so not, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't mean, um, I, I, so what I'm trying to say, Implementing a battle pass to a game that has been live for a couple of years, how does that work? Like how how difficult <laughs> is that? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say um, we have a lot of examples actually of games that have implemented battle passes afterwards. Clash uh, Clash Royale, right? Like um, mm -hmm. a Clash of Clans, Clash of Clans. Uh, Brawl Stars. Um, even a game that I, I worked at, uh, uh, Monster Legends, they, they implemented um, that, mm -hmm. and I think the game was when they implemented the battle pass. The game was like maybe I don't know six years old. Um, yeah, it's ten now. So no, ten is Dragon City, oh. um, which is from the same company, Social Point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but after that ad advertising <laughs> moment, um, I, I think the. Uh, Probably the challenge, the biggest challenge in in a battle pass on a, on a live game is that it's going to generate cannibalization. Like that's going to happen. Like people is going to move spending from other purchases to the battle pass, and like I don't think there's a way to avoid that. But the good thing is that uh, the battle has not to be to avoid cannibalization, but rather to make that it's the trade-off is is good, right? So. I think that one of the uh, uh, trickiest things with the, with the battle pass is that, yes, it will absorb spending from other places. It will move spending um, and player attention. But uh, the ultimate goal has to be that the, the trade-off is good. And I think that the cases where the battle pass has not worked are cases where uh, that the problem is not has not been that it has generated cannibalization, but rather that the trade-off of the on, in terms of total revenue has not been good. But I would say mm -hmm. it's actually, I don't know, maybe this is controversial, but I think it's harder to put a battle pass on a game that it's not live. Because on that one, you don't have previous data. And it's, mm -hmm. it's more 
I, I feel it's 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 more uh, trickier to know what was the baseline with with the yeah, with a live game. I, I feel it's the the um, difficulty is lower. I think because you can use the previous baseline to set a target and and so on. So the sweet spot would be to put a battle pass at the end of soft launch. Well, I don't know. Because uh, then you would have data on, on already how the game economy works, and you've kind of gone through a couple of different geos, and then now you can actually put in the battle pass as you're, as you're accelerating towards hard launch. I, 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 I think it should be like by the end of the, of the um, soft launch, uh, but probably mm-hmm. like during... Doing it during the soft launch, I think it's it's key. Not after the soft launch, if that's what you meant. Because, like, or at least yeah, what I think yeah. is, that if like, you do it after the soft launch, you're adding something that can completely change the the thing, right? Yeah, I meant like if your soft launch is like nowadays a minimum a year, so that would come in on the last three four months during the other uh, soft launch, as you've proven out a lot of different things. And the last week, like you run. Yeah, I think that I think that's reasonable. Uh, what I find it, it's very yeah. challenging, and there are a couple of uh, approaches that uh, because I was mm-hmm. asking people, hey, how you, how would you do that? Uh, how would you? Um, so in the article, there is a it, it, it's presented a couple of uh, approaches that can be done for uh, how to put a battle pass in a new game. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, if you have a previous baseline, it's much easier. And actually, the approaches that are mentioned in the article are mainly based on generating a baseline uh, using data from other games, using uh, data from uh, assumptions and so on. So uh, without a baseline, I feel it's very difficult to uh, fully understand what is the cannibalization effort that the Battle Pass is generating. Makes sense. And uh, you talked a lot about friction points and Battle Passes, and and that's kind of like interesting thing to talk about because battle passes are frictionless in in many sense since everybody is who everybody who's engaging in in a game is engaging with a battle pass automatically so what are those friction points and what are some of the ways to negate those friction points so i I personally don't think that there had there is good ways yet that have become a standard on how to counter those frictions Mm -hmm. but those friction points that's like the main friction point is um, players that buy the they buy the pass and don't complete it, don't or don't extract a significant amount of value out of it, that is very frustrating, and uh, mm-hmm. that actually means that uh, the less time that it's available to complete the pass, the worse of a deal it becomes, uh, which mm-hmm. is very problematic, especially on it thinking as a um, um, monetization tool. Because it means that when it's released, it's going to make a, a lot of the revenue. But then all the players that are getting into the game and that you are acquired, they are coming back during the rest of the month, for example. Uh, they're going to find their uh, an, a, a product uh, that would be key for their engagement and their monetization, but it's not a good deal anymore. Um, mm-hmm. They also can become very greedy. Uh, especially if like they if they are long, I don't think this is a problem particularly mobile because most mobile games have pretty short battle pass uh, timers. But on some games where content takes a lot of effort to create and and so on, and they have like six months passes, uh, that can become very grindy because it means that you know players need to put a lot of effort to get the the final mm-hmm. rewards and and so on. And uh, also. It, it has a cost 
a device cost, right? Uh, which is uh, or device storage cost, which is that the battle pass has to pump out exclusive content, and that um, means uh, a space that people that the game demands on the on the storage, and also it, it can be frustrating for players like want the, that want a exclusive skin that they love, but uh, it turns out that that skin was given in the second battle pass uh, two years ago, and there's no way to to access it. Um, I would say mm. these are the main the main um, friction points. Now about solutions to that, uh, I think that the one of the best examples on on uh, a, a game trying to solve that is is Halo Infinite. Um, mm -hmm. Halo Infinite they they have this thing where um, if you buy a battle, uh, well, the battle passes never expire, so you can buy them even once they they have expired. So the, the only thing that it expires is the the free acquisition. Um, uh, so so hold on. Let me let me ask a question about that. So the battle I've never played Halo Infinite. Um, by you saying the battle passes don't expire, does it mean that every season they release a new battle pass? And let's say we're in a battle pass season twenty, but I can at any point buy the battle pass season three. Yeah, and play through that, and then get the rewards from season three. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I that mean that sounds really user friendly um so it means that if you, if you are a free user and you keep uh uh playing you're gonna get the free rewards of of, of all of them but um as a as a payer you can access the content of the first one and and so on uh the the only problem that i see with that and like i i come i raised the topic in the uh the constructor of fun slack and like the community mm -hmm. interacted with it and there were like all sorts of opinion um, but just for like the audience, basically like, the main concern is that that will damage the um, FOMO effect of, of the past, right? Like why, okay, if I'm not losing anything by letting it expire, why should I put the effort? Um, mm. and, like that's a, that's a big question. I'm, I, I think uh, the ability to like buy the battle pass um, uh, after it, it has expired, has has these risks. Uh, it will be interesting to see what what happens with Halo Infinite. Although I think that the the, the thing with Halo Infinite is that other things in the game, like the uh, slow pace of content and so on, will affect the performance of the game in a way that it's going to be very difficult to know if if this um, battle pass approach is good or not. But there are also other solutions, I, in my opinion, that could have done been done to uh, that without losing the an element of FOMO, like um, maybe on the last days of the pass, your progression gets transmitted somehow to, to the next one or something like that. Like there are other solutions that mm. could have been implemented. Um, I, I nevertheless think, maybe I'm, I'm wrong with this, eh, but I think that the biggest opportunity of the season pass or that the future of the season pass is going to go more on ways how uh, the battle pass can become more prominent on the game and can um, generate upsells, upsell opportunities, maybe through multiple uh, passes and, and, and so on, rather than by fixing the friction points. Uh, I think that the mm. specific, the solving the friction points, um, I think can uh, maybe be, be more relevant in 
like maybe console games and so on, where the audience is much more um, sensitive to uh, uh, hardcore monetization or to these friction points. Got it. But but with Halo Infinite, it's a little bit different of a benchmark because the the game is free to play, right? But I, it's behind Xbox subscription. Yeah. So you need the. Well, so I mean, you can you can buy the game. I think it's a premium game. You can buy the game, but uh, if if you have the game pass, you can play it. So I don't know. I just pay the game pass and I play it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so, so it's a, it's really a game that that drives um, subscription for the Xbox. So, in that sense, I don't know if um, how would I put it? I don't know how important is the monetization of uh, of Battle Pass for Halo Infinite. I think engagement is everything, and um, and just overall, like, feels like the strategy for that game has been to upsell the Xbox Pass and, and keep players playing. So. It might be a good example for retention, uh, but but since we don't know the numbers, it might not be the best example for monetization. So that's that's kind of, it, it, you know, it's difficult to to evaluate it against games that are really relying on on microtransactions. No, I I agree. I think uh, um, that's why I said that I, I feel that there are no good examples on how to solve these friction points um, that have become a standard. Um, and I, I, I suspect that the, or at least I think that the main focus right now on people working on, on battle passes is not to solve these friction points, but rather to, uh, uh, increase fidelization of the, of the, uh, pl- uh, players on the, on the battle pass or so making them, uh, buy it more regularly and increasing the, um, Money that they are making with the with the battle pass, yeah. because really, if you if yeah. you compare it with other uh, monetization systems or or uh, monetization tools, the battle pass really, um, although it has their its critics, of course, it has way more PR, uh, way better PR than other things like loot boxes, right? Like uh, people complains about. Yeah, yeah free-to-play monetization stuff, but they complain more often about loot boxes than that they or, or timers than they com, uh, complain about uh, battle passes. And I think that this is a meaningful difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so since we're, we're talking about kind of like um, conversion or having people to, to get engaged with battle passes, uh, what are the, the best ways to, to drive really conversion and... Um, and upsell it. So, how how do you turn free battle pass players into paid battle pass players? I think that the, the first thing is is a generosity. Like um, the battle pass, if we compare it to an offer, it's providing a, an insane deal. Like uh, um, in Clash of Clans, based on the um, GDC talk that. They, they did on, on Clash of Clans uh, Battle Pass, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's actually linked in the article. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They were saying like 20, it was giving a, a 23 value, so like to, uh, 2,300% value. Like that's insane. Um, I think that the nature of the Battle Pass allows that 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 generosity because people have to put the time in order to get those rewards. Like So... It's like saying like, oh, this game gives this much value because, you know, by playing you get rewards. Uh, okay. Um, so I think that generosity, it's, it's a great thing. Um, 
and then specifically on increasing conversion, um, first time conversion, or like conversion of, of like free players. I think that elements that um, gar uh, guarantee a certain amount of, of progression, elements that um, uh, incent or grant additional benefits for buying it earlier, like for example, uh, Call of Duty Mobile has a um, an accelerator of XP, so it means that the sooner you buy it, the uh, more you're going to progress. So I think that that is a good tool for making people uh, um, have more time, uh, like feel the pressure of time and, and decide yeah, to go for it. Um, I also think that when it comes to upselling, though, so like conversion not thought as free players to paid players, but paid players making more uh, transactions. Um, there are other mechanisms like um, subscription systems. This is something that Fortnite has, like instead of buying manually the battle pass every single uh, season, players can get subscribed and then they get some B, uh, some hard currency and, um, and the battle pass automatically and they get automatically charged. charged. So, you know, I think this is great, like having ma making people do something in order to stop paying rather than do something in order to pay. That's great. Um, and also like uh, multi having multiple uh, passes. I think that I, I strongly believe this is going to be a trend in the future. Uh, games incorporating more passes. And I don't mean just the Kickstarter uh, premium version uh, of the pass. Mm -hmm but rather um, uh, having battle passes that come on top of the baseline, battle pass, maybe link it to events and, and stuff like that. So ex essentially multiplying that, that model multiple times within the same game. I think that that is going to um, become more popular because the reality is that the, mm -hmm. the battle pass, contrary to what many people uh, think, at least all the feedback that I have collected in my own previous experience, points out that the main source of monetization of a battle pass it's the upfront uh, purchase so things like yes. tier skips and so on they really don't generate uh, any meaningful revenue so and I, I think it's because of the nature right like the the whole point of the or the whole selling point of the this is like you you buy it and then and then you have it right like uh, but making people pay so that they have to pay more things afterwards. I think it would damage the uh, selling premise of the of the pass. Like for example, timescapes. To make timescapes meaningful, then it would mean that the uh, pass would become very grindy, and then it means like I wouldn't pay for it, right? Um, so I, I think that yeah, I, yeah. I feel um, selling strategies that work are more in the direction of increasing conversion, increasing the amount of passes that people buy and not that much on generating subsequent uh, purchases within a single premium pass. Yeah, so so basically kickstarted premium passes. So you have already made some progress and you can now purchase a, a battle pass by a little bit more. Let's say the, the normal version is five and this would be seven bucks. But with the seven bucks, you're like halfway through already. So you get a lot of rewards up front. Uh, the the uh, the subscription system where you're automatically enrolled to the next one, 
the multiple battle pass system where you just make make just more of these battle passes so players who are already on one can get on the second one and so forth. Also in the article, you mentioned pass gifting. I didn't know that that exists, but that makes sense with guild-based games uh, where guild leaders can give, you know, the in, in various guild games that I've played, there are some high rollers who yeah. just basically just helicopter money to everybody in the guild to make them do better. So I think pass gifting is an excellent system. It kind of encourages others to be engaged and, and, um, and yeah, just essentially one monetize for many. Um, also in my personal opinion, I think it really matters how you present the battle pass in a lot of games uh, that don't get me to convert is just doesn't look interesting. Mm. I think call of duty is a great example of that because it's very event-based same thing with Fortnite, is like, it's, it's a, it's a whole season that is around it. So it's not just like battle pass five and there's just more stuff like Vigor is an example of incredibly boring battle pass it's just like not interesting because it's like so in the theme uh but but those seasonal ones make a lot of sense and also how they present it in terms of as you're earning your battle pass points what are the things that you're missing so a lot of games are not very good at actually um presenting the uh the the lost elements that would be on the premium pass and through that you don't get that fomo you don't get that thing where you feel like you've earned it and now you want to take it uh what also really you know affects me in terms of repurchasing a battle pass is what is the perceived value that i get because i can be sold the initial battle pass of saying like hey you know you should get it because there's all kind of cool stuff and again i'm gonna go back to let's say call of duty or even the uh the trap lights battle legion like those were games where i were very engaged and i bought the battle pass and in the end I didn't feel like it was worth it, which is kind of sad. You know, it's like you're, you're upsold this, this whole thing where it's like, it's going to be so amazing. And then you're like, well, no, not really. Uh, that, I think that happened to me in clash mini as well. I think I bought the battle pass on that one. If they had one, I, I kind of, I mean, actually multiple... the, the battle pass in, in the, in clash mini, it's the main progression system of the game because yeah. they, they don't yeah. have a trophy rod. What they have is, um, a battle pass. Yeah, it was. It was that. It was that. But um, but I remember just and maybe it was just the game that didn't didn't entice me. Like I just got bored with the game, so I got bored with the battle pass as well. So it's it's a lot about like the value received. If you feel at the end of it that this the game is still awesome and that the the value that you receive from battle pass is not just like oh get this because it's four thousand percentages more than than with others. Like if it really made sense, then you're gonna buy it again. But Call of Duty be an example where I got a bunch of skins, a bunch of stuff that I didn't even know where they went and what they are. And like, is this a gun for my this mode or that mode? It's like, I don't even know what I got in the end. So through that, I'm not buying it again. Uh, and and those are kind of like the, uh, the, 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 uh, the mistakes. And then finally, a game that I love and the game that will never make me monetize is Teamfight Tactics from Riot. Um, they have a battle pass. It's well presented. Uh, but there's absolutely nothing that I want from it. And I don't even know why should I want anything from it. So, so of course, the content matters. And um, and in, in that game, like, I love the game. I just, I, I think the Battle Pass is absolutely useless. I, I would rather, you know, buy directly a skin that I like than, than look at this boring Battle Pass that gives me um, nothing interesting. Yeah, I think th- this is an issue with the... Um, um... Essentially, like reward systems in in cosmetics, but particularly on the on the battle passes, it shows a lot, right? Like 
um, in order to have a, re a, a set of tiers of rewards, it means that a lot of the content are um, sad cosmetics or like really low value cosmetics that people do, do not care that, that much uh, about. Um, I think yeah. in other uh, in other games that uh, have uh, integrate uh, uh, elements related to great systems progression and so on, it's a different story. But on games that are very cosmetic uh, driven, if you need to be constantly rewarding to players, it also means that you need to create cosmetics that do not have um, a lot of value. And that, yeah, it's like. Eh. Thank you for another sticker. I'm not going to use. Um, yeah. But I, I think there's something inter very interesting in what you said um, that I wanted to highlight, which is like that what you said on, on the sense that like, the value that they offered, like I bought, bought it, and then I felt that they didn't deliver to me that much value. I think that that's a terrible experience, um, and mm -hmm. it actually uh, hides a learning for balancing them, which is the fact that battle, contrary to many other features and other features, uh, I don't know, events and so on, you may want to make the very end of the event harder so that people uh, has to monetize or put extra effort and, and so on. But the battle passes, contrary to that, the battle passes have to be achievable because if they are not achievable, they yeah. generate a frustrating experience and then it means that players are not going to buy it again. I think that the the power of the of the battle pass uh, that counters the fact that the price is the price is not that high is that the, its power is people uh, buying it over and over. So it's key that the final uh, sensation that they have about when they buy a, a battle pass is that they trick the game, not the other way the other way around. Uh, so I feel that passes need to be achievable. I think that Brawl Stars. Um, that's something very interesting, which is the fact that, uh, especially if you have a significant horizontal collection, you can complete the past very quickly. Like in a matter of, I think it's like less than a week, you can complete it if 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 uh, you play enough. And I, I think that's um, somewhat extreme, but also very interesting on, 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 in the sense that for them, it kind of seems that it's better to have a, a pass that is very easily achievable rather than a pass, uh, a pass that requires a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And staying on the uh, on the topic of content, like what's really the sweet spot and the length for a battle pass? Like you've looked at many and played many of them. Uh, is it very game dependent or or is it... Um, like I, I kind of remember that Call of Duty has decreased the length of the battle passes, so just made more of them. And that had a clearly uh, a positive effect on the monetization of the game because, you know, the more battle passes, the better. And they're more achievable since they're shorter and not this sort of a long grind. But do you have some, some uh, and I think the, uh, by the way, TFT has like a three-month battle pass? Yeah, so basically like the the um, trend that uh, I have seen while doing the, res the research is that PC console, like kind of are, uh, orbit around three months. Even if those games mm -hmm. are also in mobile, they orbit three months. And uh, most mobile games, uh, or especially mobile first games, they have like one month. Um, I also mm -hmm. asked, asked a lot of people why this difference, if there was uh, something. And um, there were some arguments like, you know, people engages in mobile games on a daily basis, so they need a more constant pace of reward. 
than on console where like the uh, engagement can happen maybe primarily on the weekends or more sporadically, especially for games that take you a lot of time to uh, uh, play a match. Uh, but ultimately, like what I felt from the conversation, what I extracted was uh, that it's more about the cost of generating the content. I think that a lot of uh, games like you mentioned it, like TFT or um, mm-hmm. uh, Wild Rift and so on, like the contents take a lot of time to generate. Um, and uh, because they they are heavily thematic, they have custom animations, uh, it takes a lot, a lot, amazing concept art, like that takes a lot of time. It means that it's not easy to pump out uh, one of those passes with enough content every every month. I still think that shorter passes are are good, are are better, uh, because like as we said, one of the key things or key problems of the pass is that uh, the longer they've been running, the worse deal they seem, right? So you want to have passes more time in the sweet spot or be, of being fresh. So I think that. Um, I don't know. If I was working in Will Rift, <laughs> I would probably try out uh, as an experiment, do some like quick month battle passes and see what happens. I wonder if they have tested it. Um, but yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that le- less than a month can be... Or, I mean, there's a one point where releasing too much can generate player exhaustion, especially if the game is cosmetics-based. Uh, like There's just so much cosmetics that players can... Uh, get before they they are uh, they have enough, um, but in general I feel that shorter battle passes uh, I see a lot of benefits and the inconvenience seem very theoretical to me. Yeah, 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 for sure. And um, and since we're talking about like the the length of the battle passes, like balancing is of course really important, and and we talked about the value and the content. How do you, you know, how do you balance between the premium? Uh, battle pass and the free battle pass as well as between multiple premium ones like that seems very difficult and and of course cannibalization is always the risk when when you don't do the balancing correctly yeah i mean that's one of the um biggest challenges um i would say if i had to approach this uh, but i'm sure that like there are better approaches but if i if i had to do it i would start checking uh, or based on player data, no, like uh, what are the, uh, how many of a certain resource do players uh, payers uh, uh, buy per month? How many of a certain resource does a certain profile of, of players consume on in a month, for example? And then I adjust the values of the battle pass based based on on this. And now when it comes to the length of the each specific tier, I think that. The pass has to be increment has to be incremental. It has to look like this as a trend, um, just because you want to give more rewards uh, closer to the point where they um, bought the pass or where they, where they started, so that it feels awesome, right? Like they feel that they're winning uh, much more uh, stuff, and then progressively compensate. It's more time, but more value that you get. Um, but mm-hmm. I also don't think that it has to be like a curve that it's purely incremental. And a lot of games actually do that. Like it's just like pure incremental. I think that there, there has to be fluctuations kind of if, if it was a difficulty curve so that 
if you make people grind a lot for a very big reward, you then give uh, a set of easier to achieve smaller rewards to not generate exhaustion and uh, keep the past feeling that they are getting constant rewards. Uh, but mm-hmm. sometimes, fr- from time to time, it's getting uh, like a huge, um, a huge drop. Excited about NFTs in the metaverse? Ready to be part of the future of gaming? Recur is looking for talented producers, product managers, game designers, economy designers, and engineers. Recur is building branded NFT collectibles and games with top IP, including College Sports, Paramount, Star Trek, Nickelodeon, Sanrio, and more, using its best-in-the-industry technology platform. Recur's platform streamlines the NFT collecting experience. No crypto or third-party wallets required. Simply buy an NFT with your credit card or Apple Pay. And Recur's robust gamification system creates infinite collecting and gameplay possibilities from which to make compelling play and earn experiences. Recur is backed by some of the biggest names in crypto and NFTs, including billionaire Stephen Cohn, Gary Vee, and Gemini, among others. Join us now and get ready to ride a rocket ship. Let's fucking go. And um, and what are the sort of like the best practices? How to balance out the rewards and the tiers of the battle pass? Like when you look at the uh, the your your earning speed, um, is it the best way that you earn at a short intervals, a lot like at the beginning of the battle pass, and should that go through throughout the whole battle pass? Or is it more like a like is the best practice to do it more like an XP curve where each subsequent level of battle pass takes a little bit longer until in the end it just takes a lot longer? Like how important it is to push players to throughout the whole battle pass uh, versus kind of staying on that battle pass for for a longer amount of time. So I think that also depends a lot of, on, on the audience in the game, <laughs> which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dodging a bit the yeah. bullet, I don't know. But um, I, I think... Yeah, no, no, it's, I think, it's, um, it's not, it's not all one fit, for one fits all, but just like I, you, you've done a lot of analysis. Uh, I, I think a lot of analysis think that this. what is key and, and uh, actually shows up when checking the balances is... This is not on the article, but it's research that I did for the... Uh, before I wrote it. Um it's very different, for example, passes on a pass on uh, Royal Match, uh, where they are giving consumables, and it's like a different story. It takes mm-hmm. very little effort for them to generate a battle pass uh, compared to a battle pass in, I don't know, Will Rift, where each of the contents has a lot of production uh, cost, uh, so there is less of of it, um, and uh, that also on the uh, how willing to grind the audience is also generates because of what for example in royal match there are multiple other reward systems working at once so you don't need the reward you don't, uh, the whole weight of the uh, rewards is not in the battle pass compared to will rift where a lo- most of the rewards are coming from the from the battle pass so it's key that um, it feels more valuable um those things can can have implications. In my opinion, uh, like I said, the, the curve in total, the trend has to be incremental. So it has to take more time by the end because um, you want that the um, uh, to extend the the value of the uh, the length of the pass, but uh, with fluctuations so that you uh, grant uh, uh, like a 
a shotgun of rewards quickly after after players have done the effort for a very big reward. And ultimately, as in general, uh, the passes should be achievable. So if a significant amount of players, especially uh, now talking about the uh, payer, uh, people that pays the premium uh, pass, they don't get the entirety of the of the pass. In my opinion, it means that there is a problem. I would rather. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's a much better strategy uh, to make people reach the end uh, if they pay, make the people reach the end relatively easily, uh, and then add uh, systems how the pass uh, can be granting additional rewards after it's sent, which is what I don't know Magic the Gathering Arena does, where after you have completed the battle pass. Uh, you can, if you keep playing, you get like minor rewards, you get some rare cards and so on. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of as a looping a final tier. Um, but uh, the main pass is relatively achievable, at least in a high percentage, if you have a average amount of engagement. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, um, let's move on and talk about pricing a little bit, like uh, different pricing strategies for battle passes. And, and to my understanding, I don't know if I'm wrong or not, there's there's really two strategies. One is um, the one to, to drive engagement without cannibalization. So essentially, you want people to just dump in, uh, jump in and and do this sort of a broad broad monetization stroke, get a lot of, a lot of players on the premium pass. And the goal of the premium pass is really for them to engage even more and play even more and and, um, and retain. And the other strategy is to monetize through Battle Pass. So actually get a significant portion of your overall revenue in monetization. Um, can you talk about, like, am I correct with those two strategies? And can you talk a little bit more about those strategies? What I have seen when, when doing the research is that, um, like, as different genres have uh, done their own version of the Battle Pass, that is what has generated these... Um, this distribution. Um, I think that in general, mm-hmm. all the cosmetic first games, what they have, at, uh, the battle pass tends to be like one, if not the main source of of revenue, and then they try to sell with uh, highly thematic uh, stuff that has strong FOMO. Uh, I think a great example is, is Fortnite, right? They will give you the battle pass mm-hmm. where you get like a lot of cool stuff, but then. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ovi one can Ovi appears, and uh, it's just this week. And like, if you don't buy it, you lose it forever, and that generates upsell. Um, while, so in, in those games, I, I think that the pass it's the main source of monetization. Uh, I think the strategy has to change when in games that uh, are not primarily cosmetic driven. Uh, in those games, they mm-hmm. like games like Clash of Clans. Royal Match and so on, where they have their own monetization systems that work, and they're the battle pass. It's more like a, a, a piggy bank kind of offer, even, uh, mm-hmm. um, um, even no. And and uh, on that, I think it's it's way more relevant to focus on on cannibalization and on, or or at least the trade off that the cannibalization generates, and uh, think the battle pass more than as a subscription model more to think it as a increment to the to the to the baseline uh, but i th- what it. i've seen is that it's pretty much related to the genre of the of the audience and how the battle pass fits into the uh, monetization model for that 
for that audience. I, yeah. I've never seen. And, like, uh, I don't uh, think that in in many games like I don't know 4x they add a battle pass and that suddenly that becomes the main source of. No, it seems like no, they, they're still yeah. monetizing the way they used to. It's just that they have added something on top that. Uh, high spenders buy, but also it helps monetizing the lower spending profiles that are also engaged in the game. Got it. And and in your opinion, should the battle pass be priced in premium currency or hard currency, however you want to put it, or should it be a direct purchase? Like, you know, this is 11 bucks and there's no way you can save for it. Like, which one is better? So I am personally biased towards direct purchase because I'm lazy. And <laughs> doing direct purchase... <laughs> It's way uh, like it solves the issue of having to think like oh, but through the pass they can get enough hard currency so they buy another pass. So then how does that work, right? Um, so it's less work to do, do it in direct purchase. Uh, but I think this this is also another point where I feel that audience is very relevant because on the games that have have it priced on hard currency. Uh, they promote that point significantly. Like, I don't know, Call of Duty Mobile, it, it actually, it says in the text, but there's a, there are screenshots in the article that people can read, can see, that say like, hey, you will get enough hard currency to buy the next one, which is kind of an insane proposal, right? Uh, and I know that, for example, in, in Fortnite as well, there's like a calculation on how many free passes you can get when you buy a battle pass and, and so on. Um, so I think that, in, in some games, like uh, maybe oriented to younger audiences, that can be a, a selling factor. No, the idea that oh, I'm not just getting, I'm not just buying a pass. I'm just buy, I'm also buying the opportunity of maybe acquiring the next one for free. Um, what I think is that ultimately that has to stop at some point, right? Like it cannot be that people pay once and then they play forever. Um, so. And actually, this is discussed in the article. Like there are different strategies uh, that uh, people working on on those sorts of games shared uh, with me. Plus, what I think how I would face that challenge um, on on how I would limit like the amount of free passes that you can get once you buy one. Um, but in general, I'd say like direct purchase sounds like much more um, easier to manage. And it also uh, decouples the that purchase from potentially other sources of reward that could be uh, in uh, you know generating hardcore or uh, injecting the hard currency in the game, and then they spend it on the battle pass, and then they get a lot more hard currency. Um, so I think, in my opinion, direct purchase is better. Uh, I think that hard currency can make sense for specific audiences. Yeah, the, the, the pros for a hard currency is that as you're earning hard currency, you're kind of collecting it and you're saving it to purchase your first battle pass. And if the battle pass proves to be valuable, then you'll be purchasing more of them. And it, it gets you kind of closer to the point where instead of paying 10 bucks, you can actually buy the five buck bundle to get enough hard currency to purchase the battle pass and so forth. So it's a little bit of a, of a reverse auction based on your and your engagement in the game that that you'll be getting eventually that that battle pass and then that on itself can lead to more retention as you are playing more to save up for the battle pass and then off you know if the battle pass has sometimes towards the end uh, some kind of a discount then then you're more likely to mm. convert and dump all your premium currency to that so 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It would be interesting to hear if somebody has done any kind of uh, A/B tests around that. They can comment in the um, article and cannibal. <laughs> actually, like if, yeah. if <laughs> I mean, um, I, I would I wouldn't say I'm an I'm an expert on on battle passes. I just did a lot of research to do the article, but uh, actually, like my secret intention with this article is that people that um, is working like frontline games uh, like Fortnite and so on, they are able to. Uh, comment in the in the in the post and like give us a lesson. <laughs> that's that's a great way to yeah, learn. Yeah, <laughs> well, they'll most likely comment uh, privately in the Deconstructor Fun Slack channel, uh, <laughs> but not not publicly on on the on the post. That's what we would normally get. As well, DM you on LinkedIn. Um, cannibalization. How do you balance value versus conversion? That's uh, that's you know, is there any? I know that's a very broad question, but is there any any kind of um, if there is a um, if there is a magic formula, I don't know it, and I'm very interested mm-hmm. to <laughs> too. So yeah. um, what what I think is at least in, in my opinion, um, how I would approach is uh, base that on the uh, data from players, right? Like uh, understanding like how much players buy regularly, um, maybe do some sort of research before the balance on like how much content uh, damages conversion based on rewards that features give and and, and so on. Um, and like obviously if, if players are buying 10 of something per month and then you provide them 100 on the battle pass, that's highly risky, right? Um, but I, I feel that the best approach is if it's possible, to A-B test it, uh, or you can even test it without A-B testing by changing the balance between different iterations of the battle pass. And I think that's, uh, if you cannot A-B test, because, for example, the game is very competitive or, 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 or community-driven, or like people, players will mm-hmm. spot those differences and be pissed about it, I think that uh, tweaking the balance of, of the different... Uh, sequence of battle passes and see what are the fluctuations can also be um, a way to learn um, the effects yeah and um and then you one thing that you mentioned in your actually we just talked about this but you also mentioned in your article was was to a b test like we always do with cannibalization or with anything we a b test a lot but how can you a b test a battle pass i mean players talk and and if one player is gets an access to a b to uh to a battle pass and the other doesn't that's not very um so i think very good yeah i think that that really depends a lot on the game and uh, some games are more a b test friendly than others for example if you're mm-hmm. games oriented to castle audience uh very likely the, yeah, puzzle games. yeah they're not gonna talk between each other or that they're gonna spot it but they're not gonna be as best as a competitive game where uh, your opponent having the battle pass means that they're going to significantly advantage over you, right? Uh, I think that in those games, uh, there are other strategies that can be done. Like I said, uh, you know, testing it on sequ- sequences. Uh, you can also um, roll it out by territories or by servers. Uh, and this can be um, another way how you can do this without actually AV testing within a single territory. Um, mm. I don't buy it. I don't. I I can buy it for like for a, for a puzzle game, but pretty much any game with a community, 
or any social game, I don't think you can A/B test. Yeah. So there was this per- like, there was this person I um, that told me like one way you could do it, and it's in the article I think, but I, I don't like it. Uh, is mm-hmm. you can test what is the performance of a player that in a month or of a uh, of two players of similar profiles, one that bought the um, pass and the other that didn't bought the pass. Um, so like, oh, the player that didn't bought the pass just happens to have better uh, um, better metrics. Uh, then it means that the pass is cannibalizing. And maybe if that is the case. Mm. Uh, maybe it can be valuable, no? If the player that for whatever reason didn't buy has much better, like has seen noticeable better performance in terms of monetization, then you can say like, oh, th- maybe there's something weird going on. But like what I what I see there is that the uh, those two groups are already be asset to to start with, no? Because like it's not like oh the purchase of the battle pass is random. No, I mean, if a player didn't purchase the battle pass, it's because of something. Maybe it's because the player is actually less engaged or less uh, has less money or like there's a difference, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, um, in, in my opinion, it's not as, as good as properly AV testing. Um, so I don't know. You can also, you yeah. can also compare, like I said, with the previous baseline. Uh, like if you have established a baseline before, during the soft launch, uh, and then you add it, you add the pass, you can measure the fluctuation. And I, I think that could be a really good way if if A/B test is out of the picture. Yeah, yeah, that that, that makes that makes. Uh, but I complete. I, I totally understand but... the issue of of A/B testing. I just have the lack of being yeah. in a game that we can A/B test stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, a game, and it's not even casual or hardcore. Like if you consider Pokemon Go, that's a very casual game, but it's incredibly social game. One of the most social games out there. And I can't even imagine, you know, my my five year old plays it, and the kids around the block play it. Like if one of them would have a battle pass, or two of them, and others won't, I, I would get a. I would need to write a customer complaint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, I wonder if there are, uh, like. Proper like solutions to that, like maybe putting it some beta or something, like roll it out progressively. Mm. But like it could, you, you, in a, you could do it in a soft launch, in a soft launch where the game is open on specific markets. So you could do it. You know, it's it's not available in Canada, but it's available in New Zealand, and yeah. you kind of can start comparing that. I think that's that could be the only way, and it's still in soft launch, so it's not available worldwide. I think I could buy an, a you know a. a tr- I would have the courage to do an A/B test there, but when it's global, I wouldn't have the courage to to A/B test a battle yeah. pass, like to A/B test having a battle pass or not. A/B testing inside the battle pass, even that is tricky, depending on how how um, how community driven that game is. Probably some leeway, uh, you know, especially with uh, with the different kind of um, tasks you give and missions. Yeah, you give yeah, the I, pass, I, I, overall, like I've I've worked. Uh, uh, in um, hardcore games and like now I'm working in castle game so uh, mm. I'm, I'm really aware of well like what what are the differences on on yeah. on that and uh, yeah that's a very interesting topic by the way for uh, maybe a future yeah. thing <laughs> yeah 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 a b test like you know a b testing is is great but there's always yeah. a button. What, so what that, I would say for the audience is that uh, if you cannot AV test, at least try to have a baseline. 
even if it's from yeah. a competitor game or maybe from a previous similar game or something, like try to have a baseline. Because I, mm. I don't know, I, maybe there's a, some people out there that can tell you like, no, you need, you see this indicator, if it stays below seven, then it means, but I, I, mm-hmm. um, I've never been able to do that. I think it, it really, without a yeah. baseline, it's really difficult to uh, have a very reliable um learning on if the it's generating conversion or not yeah it's just you commit to a battle pass and you improve it season by season that's really it and it's a sequential approach and talking about sequential approaches clash royale did not have a battle pass and then it had a battle pass and then the battle pass started tanking the revenues for what a year or two until they finally figured out so you've investigated that you're a big clash royale player like what happened with that one um yeah, so actually that was the thing that brought me to write this article. Um, mm-hmm. Because like I was researching this for another thing and then I noticed like, oh, what, what's going on there? Um, and I, I actually, I, I think uh, it, it seems so evident that I wonder if there's something I'm not seeing. Like, 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 like I, I don't, but I check with other people and they also agree like this is pretty, Evidence, so that reinforced me in, in my belief that um, the battle pass in, in Clash Royale failed at least when it comes to money, to or at least it damaged the monetization. So, mm-hmm. to present a bit the case for for those that are not aware of it, is uh, Supercell had released a battle pass in 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 Clash of Clans that had worked very well, and then they uh, launched a pretty pretty similar in terms of, of balance and presentation. Uh, um, battle pass in Clash Royale and then what I explained in the article is that that damaged the apparently damaged the um, uh, revenue per download and actually if you look at the total revenue of the game there seems to be like a declining trend that starts when they launch the uh, battle pass um, so I think the first reason was they probably went. It, the past probably went so good in in Clash of Clans that they thought that um, it would work. Uh, I, I think they maybe overestimated how safe uh, the battle pass was. Uh, now, something that is very very interesting is to compare how both games prepared for the re- before the release of, of the pass. Um, in, and in Clash of Clans, there's like a they, they, they launched uh, a new level for the town hall, so it's a, a significant expansion of this uh, spending depth of, of the game. They also launched uh, siege machines, magic items, so a lot of things that reactivated the progression and mm-hmm. um, expanded an already uh, pretty exponential economy. While in, in Clash Royale, Clash Royale has a much less exponential economy, so Maxim out, maxing out uh, a card is much easier, or maxing out big amount of cards is significantly easier than maxing out uh, town halls uh, or the town hall. Um, mm-hmm. But also they didn't uh, they didn't expand on it, and in fact uh, they actually decreased the pace uh, at which they released cards. Uh, I think that the, in, in my opinion, the game may have been able to absorb more the battle pass if they had been keep up a high uh, pace of release of new cards but because they um, 
they kind of stopped. I think that on that year they only released two new cards uh, that definitively made the the, the pass uh, for for the players that already were close to the end of the game. Uh, the pass gave them enough, and I think that the key on on battle passes that, that are not cosmetic at least is that the pass never it has to give you a lot, but it cannot give you enough. Um, I think that another of the factors that they highlighting in is not just the total uh, depth of the economy, but how alive it is. And I think this is a problem with many Supercell games where like the onboarding seems pretty f uh, fast and then eventually they become pretty grindy. Um, and a battle pass can be damaging, even if they have a lot of depth. If the, if the game itself, the progression is very grindy, so you progress very slowly. Um, the pass can also be problematic because it can mean like, okay, maybe the pass is not giving me enough to reach the end of the game, so I'm not running out of content, but it's giving me enough to to uh, keep up with the pressure that the other players are generating towards me in terms of progression. So if people is not advancing more than me and then forcing me to progress at the same speed as them, I can just buy the pass and they just take it easy. And I think that that is something that was pretty mm -hmm. genius on Clash uh, of Clans. <laughs> uh, so many Clash. Um, on Clash of Clans, which mm -hmm. was not... They not only added the fourth... Um, uh, uh, sorry, the uh, 14th uh, Town Hall level, but they also added the magic items which accelerated the progression in intermediate stages of it. And uh, to some degree, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they did it just because like, hey, we're making the end game longer and, uh, you know, but we're also accelerating the rest of the, of the thing. But in, uh, in my opinion, there's also an, an element of like that generated a big pressure on all the stages of the economy, uh, of the progression, sorry, to for, for players to uh, accelerate their progression, which means that the past did not give enough. They also needed to engage and spend in other monetization sources of the game yeah and and uh, so yeah <laughs> i talk a lot that. i know <laughs> there, there a, no no, no they like a lot of sinks uh, uh the content creation that the issue of that the content wasn't created fast enough which has always been an issue with supercell games uh they're just so good people are so engaged they need more content um and they have small teams that are unable to create as much content as needed but they're you know working on it uh, and in Clash of Clans, like one of the important things in the game economies is the Clash of Clans game economy uh, has bigger sinks also in the sense that in the PvP, once you lose, you lose. You also lose all your troops when you attack. Like there's a lot of things where you're spending constantly versus in Clash Royale, you're essentially always just going up. You don't really go back. And adding more you know, rewards to that as well as knowing the issues of, of kind of like you have your specific deck and you don't want to play with too many different things. Like you have a couple of different decks and you're, you're good. Uh, so there's not that much horizontal exploration. So all these elements played together uh, where the economy just became saturated uh, quickly. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the, econ the definitively, like the economy of, of Class Royale is already less less exponential. So it made it hard to for that game to absorb the extra flow of rewards. All right. What's the future for battle passes? So, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Like this is just my vision, and um, I've been wrong in the past. I, I actually thought that loot boxes were not going to become a thing in the West back in the day. So, probably I'm not very reliable. 
Um, but mm-hmm. what I think is that oh. <laughs> um, what I think is that battle passes are going to become more prominent. Um, right now, we already said earlier on that uh, they are present in most of the top games, but I think they the pace at which they are expanding within the app the app store is going to actually increase. I think this answers to uh, a shift on the industry from because it's harder to access uh, high spending players. Um, the the industry now is going to shift to models that are able to monetize broader audiences and like more uh, players, even if they don't belong to uh, high spending profiles. Um, and on top of that, they are also going to double down on retention, which means that this system that reinforces retention, contrary to other systems that foster frustration so that they can generate monetization, um, it's going to work. I, I wonder if, if it will stick in, in puzzle, though, because, you know, there's the example of uh, um, Hey Day Pop, where they replaced the main progression by uh, this uh, seasonal battle path related progression and that that didn't stick um yeah and and uh, another expansion that i i think we're going to see is uh battle passes will begin or i think that battle passes will become the main progression system of many games this is something that we're already seeing Mm -hmm. in brawl stars brawl stars they have replaced the tro- so the trophy rod is very relevant at the beginning and then progressively it loses relevance in, in player attention and and uh, relevance towards the progression compared to the season pass in uh, class mini they directly they start with it and um, I think that that we will see this happen more often because they what I called uh, permanent progression systems they become they are very good at the beginning because they are stable, but they become bad mm-hmm. on the long term uh, because they become uh, they, they. It's harder to keep them fresh. So I think that um, yeah. yeah, battle passes will become the main progression system of of many games. Um, I also think that we will see more games introduce onboarding battle passes. Right now, there's not there's not a lot of them, uh, and I think this is another weakness of the pass because the pass is. Um, because the passes, the contents are seasonal. The quests are related to uh, horizontal uh, progression, game modes, and so on. They are not very effective for a starter players. So I think that uh, having on- onboarding uh, battle passes, it's something that can could solve that that issue. No, like have something that uh, it's uh, it has the benefits of the of the battle pass, but it is stable it doesn't change with every season so trophy road that would function from the elements of battle pass so essentially as you earn points you would be earning points both for the trophy road as well as the seasonal battle pass yeah something yeah something like that um i I think this is the direction that many supercell games are taking like particularly Clash royale and brawl stars primarily um but i'm pretty sure this is something that we're going to see um uh, more and more and i i'm also a strong believer on uh multiple games introducing multiple passes primarily related to live ops or, or time limited events i'm more skeptic that they introduce multiple battle passes related to specific game modes although th- there are some mm-hmm. examples but i feel that in the in those cases like at least the experience that i've had is that 
uh, it cannibalizes player attention from the rest of the game, and the trade-off is not that good. Um, so I think that uh, battle, there will be multiple battle passes linked to time-limited events. Not sure if they are going to be linked to different game modes. Um, and I'm very curious about like social mechanics introduced in in battle in uh, battle passes. There are also some examples of battle passes that provide uh, social benefits, uh, but I would say this is it's a it's a niche. It's not yet like a standard feature, and I I wonder if there's there's gonna be like clan related battle passes or or passes that more actively grant benefits to your clan and stuff like that. I feel that this can be a strong uh, incentive for team-based games or games with that involve cooperation to to make people spend, no? Because now it's a peer pressure. Now. Everyone in this clan has to buy yeah. the, the pass. Otherwise, uh, one is a freebooter, right? So... Yeah, yeah, and and also even just seeing where everybody is on the battle pass, or just informing like some of your friends have passed it, or or so forth. So you're kind of like not even having competition, but just again, just comparing your own progress to other players' progress is always useful. Yeah. So that, visibility. We, we, of yeah, I think this is actually one of the weirdness, no, of the battle pass that it's, it seems a very isolated type of of uh, experience. Solo. Yeah. Um, and yes. I think that mobile games in general. But uh, and, and and the trend, like the benefit that they have, is that they can connect people in uh, within the same within the same game. So um, I I would be surprised if we don't see attempts to go in that direction. What I'm very skeptical is that uh, battle passes will evolve on additional purchases inside the battle pass that they are going to become very effective. I like time maybe tier skips and stuff. I I think that goes very against the selling premise of the of the feature and so i think it's more it's going to be more about how can you battle pass with your friends how can you get more battle passes and how can battle passes become more visible and more prominent in the game yes yeah makes sense final question before i let you go what's the number one battle pass people should try should play wow. any platform any game What's the one? Well, and he has it has to be only one. Yes. Well, give me two. Okay. Um, I, I would say Fortnite. I think it's it's the one is the must play. Uh, just because mm-hmm. it's constantly evolving, they put a lot of effort on on it, and even uh, so, I had played a lot of Fortnite, but I've been away from quite for quite a while, and I came back for the for this uh, article, and I discovered they had added a lot of new features. They also have one thing that is really, really cool, and I haven't seen in many other games, uh, which is uh, exclusive playable content related to the Battle Pass. Like There are live ops where you only participate if you have the Battle Pass, Um, and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. It it feels so good to have the Battle Pass, and now you can, uh, you know, collect these multiple swords and, like, participate in a lot of... uh, It makes the game much better. And it makes not having the past much worse. Um, so I would say Fortnite, it's 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 key. And actually, I would suggest to play Fortnite regularly because they are constantly throwing out improvements. And uh, in terms of another one that I think it's really good, it's it's the Brawl Stars one. 
the way they manage the battle pass to as, as a, the main progression system, but also how they um, foster horizontal exploration on using the battle pass. I think it's great. It's it's really really cool. I really if you if you're engaged in the game, uh, the Brawl Stars battle pass for uh, incentivizes you to explore every single character, every single game mode, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, which would be the ones that? Which would be the one you would? Well, now that you said Brawl Stars is definitely the one uh, that I I really like. Um, shit, what would be the one? The other one? What am I playing right now? I'm playing Marvel Snap a lot. Oh yeah, Marvel Snap is good. A good one. Um, but I don't like the battle pass. It's like I, I honestly don't like. Now that you said it, battle out of all the battle passes, Brawl Stars, because it allowed it really pushed me to horizontally play with all the different characters because the missions were based on like you get the rewards based on playing with a different character. So it it really enriches your gameplay. With most of the others, I've actually been mainly disappointed with the battle passes. I'll, I'll be I, like, I have bought many battle passes and I just like couldn't care less. Uh, in the beginning, they were just bought to progress a little bit faster in the game, uh, but I never repeated it because. Either I just got disengaged with the game or didn't feel that I got the uh, enough value that I thought I would get when I was purchasing. And then the cosmetics driven battle passes, like I already had enough cosmetics. I'm not into it. I'm done. I'm, I'm okay. I'm playing Call of Duty Mobile. I got the enough cosmetics. I'm not yeah. going to change. It's all good. I got this one year and a half ago. So it's already OG cosmetics. So it's fine. I'll, I'll roll with it and kind of expect. So, so that's, that's my two cents. But you're the expert. And um, everybody, please do check out the article. Check out it multiple times. Send it to everybody on your team so that they have a reference when you guys are building your own or improving your own battle pass. Fantastic work, as always, from uh, Senor Javier Barnes, uh, the game designer, the product manager, the philosopher, the wrestler, a man of many uh, competences. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate uh your kind words and uh i, I would I, I would say i'm not an expert i i, I just think i i like researching stuff mm. um and uh like i said before i think that if uh you go through the article and you have like comments or you disagree with something there's nothing i would appreciate more of than seeing a, a comment like maybe explaining your experiences and uh, i think th the way i think is that this is kind of a collab collaborative work to uh, so that we all learn more about battle passes. So, uh, yeah, drop a comment in the article and, and, and uh, shoot your opinion. All right. On that note, adios, amigos. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.